and the brave new world begins. When all men are paid for existing, and no man must pay for his sins, as surely as water will wet us, as surely as fire will burn, the gods of the copybook headings with terror and slaughter return. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Copybook Headings podcast. I am your host, Patrick Payne, and with me, as always, is Andrew Stevens. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, uh, the Copybook Headings podcast is a podcast inspired by the poem by the great Rudyard Kipling called The Gods of the Copybook Headings, where he discusses old proverbs, maxims, um, containing ancient wisdom. And, and uh, this is the podcast where we take one every week and break it down and figure out what we can learn from it. So thanks for joining. And uh, we've got a, we've got an interesting one this week, huh? Yeah, for sure. So the one that we're going to do this week is, well, it's, it's, it's fairly, I mean, uh, like many of these, it's been around for a very long time. I'm not a hundred percent sure where this one comes from. We have some, some, mixed uh evidence i think but uh the one we're doing is is never do something for someone that he can do for himself so initially the research i had done is that had pointed to ralph waldo ralph waldo emerson uh as the the source of that um and it seems like most people kind of accepted that but i don't know if that's 100 percent certain or it seems like this is kind of one of those where there's a lot of people who've said something similar to that. Is that kind of what you got yeah. from that, Andrew? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it seems, especially in, in America, you know, it's, there's a big, you know, self-reliance kind of independent attitude in America. So I think it, a lot of people have, have developed that independently or just, you know, but yeah, it's a few iterations of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so, uh, um, you mentioned self-reliance. This kind of has that as its central theme, never do something for someone that he can do for himself. Um, when I first thought of this, um, just my initial impressions, the first thing that, um, I, well, I had a lot of thoughts, but the first kind of track I took was with parenting and I, you know, we're both parents and it, is that something that had popped up on your radar when you first, first heard about this, Andrew? Yeah, that that was the first thing that came to mind. Probably, I mean, it's probably the, it's probably going to happen a lot with these, you know, thinking mm -hmm. of the right way to raise kids and everything. When your parents, but, you but relate to everything to parenting. <laughs> yep, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's something popped into mind immediately. It's something, you know, my wife in particular, it's really important to her with our, with our kids and, and our, our two daughters are pretty young. And so it can be agonizing putting this into practice where it's, you know, the toddler needs to put her shoes on, you know, yes. <laughs> just like, okay, this could be a, a 10 second thing if, if mom or dad does it, but it is going to be a few minutes for the, the kid, but it's important to learn how to do. And, you know, a, a big part of that I think is, um, you know, we've got our oldest in Montessori hmm. and that's, um, something that my wife did when she was a kid and that's a big you know tenet of of that style of learning is that kids kind of they do things at their own pace and they also are encouraged to do things that maybe kids don't normally do or or often um 
yeah, often grownups get get fed up or and and want to do do it quickly. So you know, there's so at at their school, you know, they do in addition to their learning their letters and numbers, they they'll do washing and drying dishes and mm. filling you know vases for the flowers, filling them with water and cleaning windows, like a lot of like household tasks that you don't really even think you don't think about as as a kid like did i ever learn to do that like um my wife was telling her coworker about our daughter learning how to you know pour using a pitcher mm-hmm. it's like do kids need to like they need to learn that well you need to learn it at some point right sure <laughs> so uh, but yeah that, that's what came to mind and and I'll, I'll share a quote that's that's similar to to our topic that is attributed to to Maria Montessori the the popularizer of that method yeah please do never help a child with a task at which he feels he can succeed mm. so similar similar vein there yeah it's which he feels he can succeed and when i first heard about this or <clears throat> when i first heard this um this proverb and i was thinking about you know like i said if my parenting is where my mind first went and i was thinking at first oh i don't do this i'm pretty good about letting the kids do things on their own. Maybe other Mm -hmm. parents do that. And then the more I thought about it, I realized, no, I'm not one of the type of parents that's like a helicopter parent with safety. I have a lot of boys, they're rough and tumble. I let them do their thing. But I am kind of guilty when it comes like you you just mentioned, like we're trying to get out of the house and we're trying to go somewhere and I'm impatient and they're taking too long. And I'm like, get over here, just let me do it. And uh, that's the same thing. I mean, that's you're doing something for for a child that they could do themselves. And really, should you be doing that, or should we be taking the time, being a few minutes late? It's not a big deal. Let the kid tie his own shoes. He knows how to tie his shoes, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I think um, uh, parenting is 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 the one that came to mind immediately. But I think we can draw a lot of a lot of lessons from this in, in society and 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 all sorts of other places. Um, I I just had a had an experience just, just today. Uh, my son was in our bathroom, uh, sitting on the, on the bathroom scale, standing on the scale, trying to weigh himself. And he says, dad, the, the scale's not weighing. It just says L O. And I'm like, Oh, I think that means it's a low battery because it's a digital scale. And, he, and I said, do you want to, do you want to try to change the battery? And he was so excited. He was like, yeah, I want to try to change the battery. And yeah. I had like one of those little battery covers. I think it had a small screw in there. So he had to go get a tiny screwdriver out of the toolbox and open it up and pop this little nine volt battery out and put a new one in. And, uh, he was really excited about it. And I, I was, it, it struck me as I I thought it was funny. I mean, he's nine years old. He's not that little, but he was still excited to change a battery in a, in a scale. Yeah. So, um, uh, little things like that, like you mentioned, pouring a pitcher could be really developmentally important for kids. And, uh, and not just for kids, right? So, I mean, I'm sure there's people listening who don't have kids or, or aren't parents yet, or, or, um, but there, this is a, this is a, a principle that applies universally. I think. Do, do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and yeah, you know, we can talk about the the universality here first, and then maybe some of the limitations later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, another thing that comes to mind, you know, it's the whole give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Right, teach yeah. man to fish. He'll eat for a lifetime. That that aspect um, that you do need to let people and encourage people to you know to be self sufficient to take take charge of what they can in their in their life. Um, I guess I'm already kind of 
talking about some of the limitations of, uh, as far as like, you know, what some people are limited in doing, but yeah. Um, yeah. What are some, what are some broader aspects that you noticed? Um, well, I mean, I think it what, what applies to a child typically will apply to an adult as well. If, um, yeah. um, when you, uh, there, there's this concept in psychology called the learned helplessness, right? Mm-hmm. Where, uh, over time and it, the, the concept first originated with a couple of doctors back in the sixties and they were doing these experiments on dogs and what they were doing is they were applying like an, an uncomfortable electroshock to these dogs. Um, I guess PETA wasn't around back then, but, uh, whatever the case they were, they were, they were shocking these dogs and, uh, they had a couple of different, contr- different groups They had a control group and they had a couple other groups and, and some dogs were, were able to just leave and they were just, you know, Oh, this, this, I'm in this little crate and it's electroshocking me. I could just hop out uh-huh. Another group had like a little button they could push to turn it off. And then I, th- I think a third group, they couldn't do anything about it. So then they put all three groups of dogs into, into a place where they were given this electroshock but all they had to do is jump over a small barrier into another area and the shock would go away because it wasn't over there. So mm-hmm. the two groups of dogs that had some, that had been trained to have some control jumped over and escaped the uncomfortable shock. The third group just sat there and took it because they learned yeah. that there's nothing I can do anyway. This is, this is just my life. I just, <laughs> I just have to endure this, this, uh, this discomfort. So, um, they came up with this concept of, of learned helplessness, where if, if you've been taught helplessness that you can't do anything in your life for so long, it will ingrain in your psyche and, and that habit will stay with you for a long time Yeah. Same thing with children. Same thing is true with even adults who've been, you know, um, coddled or, or, or helped too much. Uh, they have a very hard time uh, reaching out and, and solving problems on their own. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's for sure. Um, I, I've, I think, uh, I've kind of seen that type of thing. I've noticed it, uh, with, with some older folks where, mm-hmm. um, like an older couple and one of them dies and, and the other, the other person, I don't know, it's just maybe atrophy is the right word. I don't know that they're ever mm-hmm. completely helpless. Maybe they were, but you know, something that their spouse always did for them. Um, they just are clueless at, at that at, to do anymore. Um, and so, um, you know, we, there's, there's one guy I remember talking to at church and he, his, his wife, I think she broke, broke her arm or something. And he was just, at a loss of how to help because, because, uh, you know, all the stuff that she'd normally do, the cooking and, and the laundry and stuff that were her tasks. He was, uh, he was like going back to being, you know, a college Ooh. student again, but Man, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little chastised here, Andrew. Cause I mean, I'm, I'm I shudder to think of how I would survive without my wife doing everything that she does. Cause she's so well, good at, uh, keeping, keeping things going, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. And that's, um, well, let's talk about that. Cause, you know, we do plenty, you know, people do plenty in a relationship for their spouse yeah. um, that the spouse can do on their own. Right. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you can, you can cook and clean and do laundry. Um, I'm sure I kind of, I mean, my wife does most of, or all of that for mm-hmm. me. Um, she, we were talking, she kind of was joking about that when I was telling her about, about our topic. Cause, cause yeah, it's stuff I could do. Um, so what, what do you think, 
the limitation there or the limiting principle on this one is as far as there are some things that we do for other people that they can do themselves. Sure. Yeah. There are definitely some, some limitations here and this isn't a hard and fast 100% never do it. I mean, yeah. cause that would take, I think pretty much a lot of service off the table. Um, yeah. Some acts of service we do for people who can't do it. You know, there's someone who broke his leg or, or a, a sick widow or something we you can go help, but sometimes it's just, it's just something nice to do. Like my, I've talked before about how I have a really good community in my little neighborhood. And sometimes my neighbors just come plow my driveway for me in the winter. Uh, yeah. I can do that myself, but they're just doing it as an, as a nice act of service. Um, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's a positive thing. So that's where we run into some limitations here where, um, you know, dividing the labor in the household between the husband and the wife, however, that's split up. Um, isn't so much because the other person can't, but more because they're taking on some different roles and not everybody can mm -hmm. do everything and not everybody needs to do everything. And it'd be kind of silly if she made half a meal, one just for herself, and then you had to go make your other, yeah. own half of your meal. That'd be silly, right? So if someone's yeah. going to cook dinner, we might as well just cook dinner for the whole family. And yeah. so it makes more sense to, to divide it that way. Um, but uh, yeah, the limitation that I, that popped in my head as I was thinking about this was, was the acts of service because, um, that's something that I believe in. That's something that uh, uh, Christianity teaches. That's something that uh, I think is very important uh, to be able to serve. And it's not always people who who just can't do it on their own, right? Yeah. What about you? What are your thoughts on on some of those limitations? Um. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's a big one. Is you know the service aspect the. Um, division of labor, even to be a little more dry about it, I guess, um, with, within an organization or a, or a partnership or in a family. Um, I, I think a challenge with this one, you know, broadly, you know, I think it's probably, it's getting at, um, in a broader community, you know, people kind of carrying their own, their own weight, I guess, is maybe a cynical way of looking at it, but I think that's kind of what this is getting at. It's mm -hmm. um, making sure that you're doing, you're doing what you can and other people are doing what they can. Um, I think one area, one blind spot people can have is where people can't do more than they're doing. Um, you you kind of want to, to, to criticize people or, um, or, or expect more than re they really realistically can, can shoulder. Mm -hmm. Um, like I, I was thinking of, uh, in college I had some next door neighbors who were really great guys. So this is all, you know, big apartment full of big apartment complex full of guys. This was at, mm -hmm. at BYU. Um, so, uh, yeah, next door, four great guys, really, um, uh, really stand up guys. And there was this, uh, in our, in the neighborhood, there's this, this panhandler lady. She was always out with a sign, you know, asking for money in this, in this student area. Um, and you know, BYU students are, are, are pretty, pretty generous. Mm -hmm. Could say pushovers, but they're, uh, but, <laughs> uh, their hearts are in the right place. And, and so, you know, it's a good place to panhandle. Um, right. and, you know, and turns out she lived, kind of around the corner from, from us in a, um, you know, government subsidized apartment. 
She'd been in and out of the state mental hospital, as has her husband. So it's kind of an unstable, unstable situation. And my next door neighbors out, out of charity, you know, one of them was like, well, let's, uh, come over and I'll help you make a budget. You know, I'll, I'll help you, you know, you're always out <laughs> panhandling. Let's, let's make sure let's, let's try and help. And just, it did not work. Um, right. Just did not, did not work. And the, another guy was like, Hey, I'll make you this, this nice, uh, pasta meal. He, you know, spent some time in Italy as a good cook, make you this nice dinner. Just rejected it. Cause it's not what you like. Um, <laughs> did, did not want to try it. And so, you know, she just had limitations as far as what she could do. And, and I think my friends kind of learned that lesson the hard way that there was, there's only, there's only so much you can expect someone to, to learn to do on their, on their own. Right. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, that may be a case of learned helplessness where she's just yeah. learned over the years that, that this is just what, this is just her life, you know? And, uh, when it comes to, to the service, sorry to circle back, but, um, I just had a thought as you were speaking, you know, I, I, I started thinking about what if every day that it snowed in the winter, my neighbor came over and plowed my driveway for me every single time. And then that happened winter after winter after winter. And then seven years from now, I come out one day and my driveway is not plowed and I'm late for work. And here I, how would I feel? Or would I be like, oh my gosh, that jerk didn't plow my, my driveway. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, (laughs) the entitlement like sets in real fast. It could creep in. Yeah. Right. And so, um, if, if you are the recipient of some kind of service, especially some kind of service that you could do yourself, what should you do? My, my thought was you have to do something. You can't just take it and move on. You have to find some way to pay it forward mm-hmm. because otherwise you, that entitlement does will start to set in and it'll start to creep in on you. Uh, if, if, if you're getting some, if you're the recipient of some kind of service, I think you need to find a way it doesn't have to be back right back to the person who gave it to you. It can be to anybody, but I think um, it's almost like you've accrued a little bit of a debt, a little bit of a service debt. And that's something that you need to go and, and uh, serve somebody else and help the community in some way. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really interesting way to look at this one that it's almost uh this proverb could be somewhat of a, a self-defense one as in to, to, to keep your eye on, Avoiding getting too entitled to avoid getting too proud mm-hmm. and, and have some humility. And, um, yeah, that, I like that. Uh, part of it is, is also when you're doing too much for somebody that is, uh, able to do something from yourself in some ways you're robbing them of something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least you can, uh, like I said, if you, if you're, you know, uh, shovel in somebody's driveway and they can do it themselves. It's not maybe, maybe not, but if, if, if it becomes too persistent and, um, you're just taking care of somebody as if they were a child, you're kind of inf- infantilizing them a little bit in a way, right? You're, you're, yeah. if you treat someone like a child, um, there, there, there might be some consequences to that of them m- maybe, um, missing out on opportunities to grow, missing out on opportunities to learn. And, um, there's, there's a guy I know who's just kind of this serial entrepreneur and I've always kind of admired this guy. Um, he's not rich, rich, but he's, he's doing real well. 
Um, and he came from nothing. I mean, he came from mm-hmm. like, I think he grew up in like Los Angeles, but like the bad part, you know, it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> he wasn't, yeah. he was around gangs and, and stuff. And, and he just, he just works real hard and bootstraps everything. And he's always got some new thing going. And I kind of envy him in a way because somehow along the way he learned, I could just do stuff and I don't need yeah. anybody's permission. And I don't need to, whereas I took the traditional route of, I went to college, I did the thing, I got work for a corporation, I did yada, yada, yada. Right. And so there's all these ideas that, uh, that maybe I've passed up because, well, you know, who do I have to ask permission to do that? You know, right. <laughs> and you kind of have a little bit of this helplessness built in where, where you just have, uh, whereas some other people might just be like, you know what, nobody's stopping me to do anything. I could just go out and just, just make something happen. And then, and then maybe they try and fail a few times until they figure it out. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, we're, at least we're at least we're starting the podcast, right? We're doing <laughs> we're doing something. We're we're here. We're in it. We're in the arena doing the doing the thing that we wanted to do. So uh, yeah. we're 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 breaking out of that mold a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got that uh, got that quote right up there. The uh, Teddy Roosevelt uh, being it, the man in the arena or whatever. Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, yeah. That's so to get, uh, to get topical, to get uh, current year with this, like mm-hmm. I've been seeing stuff floating around on, on social media the last week about like UBI proposals, you know, universal basic income um, and kind of how, um, how that, you know, the psychology of that, right? Like um, I guess that's kind of the inversion. That's the, the mark, the God to the marketplace idea of this is that you can, you can um, just do things for other people and do things for the people and they'll be fine. Right. Yeah. But it is kind of corrosive, you know, that learned helplessness among other things, just corrosive to the spirit, to, to just, you know, to the humanity of a person mm-hmm. to have everything taken care of. And with, you know, the, the, the debate over, you know, what will people, if, if they had a, a guaranteed income, would they not, since they don't have to worry about their material basics, they can go off and be artists and inventors and stuff, or would they just descend into playing video games and watching TV all day and just having no ambition whatsoever? Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's kind of an interesting, you know, in, interesting uh, discussion debate happening. You know, I, I, I tend to fall more on the side obviously of, that it's a corrosive thing that, mm-hmm. um, it's not, you, you need, you need some out there, uh, need nature out there biting at your heels, right? You need, mm-hmm. uh, you need that something driving you to, to the next thing, to, to the next meal, to the next, um, the next green pasture, I guess. So what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's interesting. And um, I think that concept of, of uh, the corrosiveness that you mentioned exacerbates the farther away um, the, from where the help is coming from. Like if it's coming from your neighbor or your mm-hmm. family member, it's not as bad as if it's coming from the state. I think it's just yeah. there's too many layers of, of separation there. And it just becomes, you don't have to look anybody in the face while they're, while they're, while they're bringing you over a meal, you know? Um, yeah. when you look at them in the face and you realize, man, these people are making a sacrifice for me, uh, most people and not everybody, some people are so deep in their learned 
helplessness that it has no effect on them. But I think most people would be like, man, I, I really need to get, get back and going. I've been unemployed for six months now. And my neighbors are helping me, taking care of me, but, or, or, or my church is, is chipping in for my rent or, or something, you know, and, and, and you're going yeah. and you're talking to your pastor or your, your neighbors are bringing by casseroles. And, and after a while you're like, man, these people are, are, are carrying me and I'm a burden and I need to, I really, really need to, to get back up on my feet quick. Whereas if it's just a check coming from some faceless uh, government corporation, is it the same? I, I think the answer is pretty obviously not, right? Um, it's it's not the same. It's it's a lot easier to just get get complacent and comfortable when the when the money comes from nothing. You mentioned the the gods of the marketplace. It's funny because the Kipling poem that that this podcast is uh, inspired by sp- specifically mentions when all men are paid for existing. And no yeah. one must pay for their sins, right? Being paid for existing, Kipling clearly thought that was not a good idea at all. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, that's right in the poem. Right in the poem. So yeah, I think, but um, when you have these these programs that are designed to help people, as well-intentioned as they are, um, it you have to remember that uh, the scale of it matters and, and the source of, of this help does matter. The more local yeah. you can get it and the more close to home you can get it, uh, the better it is. Yeah, that, that's that's a great insight. Yeah, that being able to to look your, your help in the eye or to look the person you're helping in the eye, that, that connection is, is meaningful um, and, and harder to harder to get uh, entitled with or, or to feel entitled about as opposed to... Sure some numbers showing up in your bank account, you know, every month and you get used to that. And, and, you know, and with, yeah, with, the, with the state being like, well, I'm, I'm part of the state. I, I kind of deserve <laughs> right. what I'm getting here. Right. right. Like, exactly. I'm, I'm the public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the question about would people become artists or would they become drug addicts? I think the answer to that is yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some people exactly. probably would become artists. Um, but the, um, I think probably, the, I mean, ideally in a, in a healthy society, I think it would be a, um, a case where you had some money that wasn't inflated away where people could, could get by easier on a, on even a lower end job. You know, mm-hmm. um, it was, there was an economy where a single, single income could support a family and, and it might be a little hard scrabble for a little while, but you could still do it. If you were passionate yeah. about your art, you could go sweep floors during the day and you could still go make art in the evening and you could do that. Right. I know that there's, um, you know, it's been with the uh, current things that have been going on. That's, that can be kind of difficult. So, so I definitely feel the, the, you know, some compassion for people who, who are, uh, you know, maybe their jobs have been, have been disappearing or, or their wages have been stagnant while costs have been going up. I mean, that's a tough thing. So I can see yeah. why there's this temptation for, for this government program to come in. Um, but I'm not sure that it's going to have the, have the results that people are hoping for. Yeah. <clears throat> cool. So um, into anything else that you've seen in terms of the, that gar- gods of the marketplace, what else do we see? Uh, UBI is a great example. Have you seen anything else? Um. I, th- I think, oh gosh. Um, let me to put you on the spot. I, I, um, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've seen a couple others too. I mean, it's, it, it tends to be a lot of, a lot of government programs is what it tends to be. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, whether it be universal healthcare or universal income or universal this or universal that it needs to be, everyone gets everything all the time 
100% of the time. Um, and this concept of concept of universality is, is a little bit tricky um, because there's no way to, um, there's no way to use any judgment or any discernment and say, you know what, this person we've helped really, really helped a lot. It's probably time for them, for us to scale back our help a little bit of this person to get back up on their own two feet. They really can do it when yeah. it's universal. There is none of that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it makes sense. Like the wanting to universalize, especially, you know, something like something like uh, welfare or, or just helping people out. Right. Like mm -hmm. at, at the, it, at the local level, you know, the, let's say the best possible case is at like the community level to, to help people out. Yeah. Um, because then, yeah, it's face to face, it's tailored to the individuals and, and there's some back and forth, but then, you know, well, what happens if the whole community is impoverished, right? How are, yeah. who's going to help them? And then, and so you, like that, that impetus to, to stretch out well and kind of like, build a, a, a bigger risk pool, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, you want to say, okay, well, we're going to bundle all these communities into a County and that's, that's the level. And like, well, what if the whole County is bad? All right. Well then the, the state level, but what about, you know, this big depression in our country, you know, speaking of the great depression or something and mm -hmm. okay, well, it's a national thing. And all of a sudden just to, for the sake of remove of, of having that larger risk pool and making things easier to 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 cover things that it, it just inevitably removes the individual aspect of it and the, the, the personally tailored aspect of it um i mean you can see why it happens though right like mm -hmm. because it makes sense to have a big risk pool sure but yeah this it's a tricky it one to, to work around yeah i think it removes something when you have that big of a thing and and uh um it's it's important to remember that uh you know, when, when Jesus tells people to help the poor, he's not telling you to vote for someone who, who's going to go do that. So you don't have to go see or touch or smell poverty yourself. He's telling you yeah. to do it. <laughs> you yeah. need to go do it. So, uh, if, if there's poverty around you, that means we're not doing a good enough job, uh, going and helping out and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, I, I'll, I'll read, uh, I got another quote. Oh yeah. You know, this one is by Ralph Waldo Emerson. Um, the original, the original proverb here is credited to him. We think uh, never do something for someone that he can do for himself. But he did say this. He said, society everywhere is in conspiracy against the manhood of every one of its members. The virtue in most requests is conformity. Self-reliance is its aversion. It loves not realities and creators, but names and customs. Ralph Waldo Emerson. So he said uh, that, yeah, that, that society is in conspiracy against this manhood and self-reliance. Um and there could be some some ulterior motives here going on uh, behind the scenes of powerful people who have some some reason for this. Uh, maybe not. Maybe it's just a, a, a coincidental that they're they're uh, this t has tended to be the trend toward against against self reliance. But but really, um, self reliance I think is community reliance as well because if you can't have a strong community without strong individual contributors. And yeah. so uh, you can't have too many people pulling out of the pot and nobody putting in. So the people pulling out need to be few and far between and, and ideally temporary. So you can have a really strong community of most people pitching in. And, uh, and, and I think that's the healthiest, healthiest way to have a society. I agree. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that just goes, I think back to the, your learned helplessness point early you know, at, at the beginning. I think that's, that's right on the mark. Um, and, and as far as, you know, the, the conspiracy stuff, I mean, it's, if, if nothing else, you know, people who want to, who want to rule other people want predictability. Sure. Um, I mean, you can, you can deal with all kinds of scenarios as long as you know, they're coming. Mm-hmm. So if you know that dog's not going to hop out of the cage, you can, you know, you're, you're golden. So I think you can control the dog a lot better. <laughs> you yeah. Know and you, cause it's not going to hop, you know, to the left or to the right, you know, it's just going to stay put. So yep. you can, you can do what you're going to do or just not worry about the dog. So yeah, Absolutely. I think, I think there's something to, um, you know, power wanting predictability. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And, uh, and control of course is, is always something that, uh, that, uh, the, the power hungry seek after. So yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. All right. Well, we're just about a time, but so the takeaways here are what, let your kid zip his own coat, <laughs> tie his own shoes. Own take take uh, five minutes uh, to do it. You know, do thing I've discovered recently as these little, uh, these little sand hourglasses, you know, they've, they've gone for different time. You know, one minute, one, a three minute, one, a five minute. Uh-huh. So, you know, say, all right, buddies, zip up your coat in, in under three minutes here. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Three minutes not, isn't going to make you too late for something. Take yeah. your time, help your kids. And if you don't have kids, just uh, encourage others to grow. Right. I think is a yeah. good goal. Encourage others to do things that are going to help, help stretch them and help them, help them uh, reach the next level. And I think it's going to, going to be um, a really positive thing for them. And uh, ultimately what we want is to become the best self-actualized people uh, that we can. And we do that by doing hard things, right? Yeah. Yeah. And be mindful of what people are doing for you and, and Mm -hmm. uh, be, be grateful and pay it forward. Yeah. I think it's great. All right. Well, that's it for today. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you guys next week. We'll see ya. There are only four things certain since social progress began that the dog returns to his vomit and the sow returns to her mire and the burnt fool's bandaged finger goes wobbling back to the fire and that after this is accomplished and the brave new world begins when all men are paid for existing and no man must pay for his sin as surely as water will wet us as surely as fire will burn the gods of the copybook idiots, with terror and slaughter.